found me. You found me. Welcome to Storybroke. Miserably ever after. I am way more choked up than I thought I'd be. Mads. And I'm just as choked up as you'd expect. Elaine. (laughs) And so this week we are talking about season two, episode eight, Into the Deep. And we got we got in deep with it pretty quickly. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've been workshopping that. That's a good that was a good one. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciated it. Yeah, uh, I watched this one one and a half times, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty good considering I was watching it while the child was awake. That's that's pretty stunning. Sorry, I, I pretty, needed to. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty impressed with myself. I needed to grab a, a sip of my my beverage for this week. Huh? I got some some red wine. I it's 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 from a box. Mm-hmm. It says it's a cabernet, and that's that's a, that's good enough for me. I am drinking a popular light beers seltzer hard soda in cherry Ooh. cola flavor. Ooh. See, I almost, right. I almost got a seltzer and vodka, and then I was like, I'm going to have wine this week because it's cold. Well, I, I'm the, yeah, you know, my kid's about to go to sleep, so dad's <clears> got <throat> that. Mom gets a drink. That's fair. Okay. So, have I mentioned, yeah. have I mentioned that my partner is a wonderful dad? I've heard I've heard the rumors. I've he's, heard he's a pretty good dude. He's a really, really wonderful dad, and I'm very, very happy that he's my partner. And Gross. that I married him. Yeah. Romance. Yeah. Yeah. Love. <laughs> Speaking of gross romance love, how about this episode? How about this episode? Should we it's uh sh- not even like the overarching theme and yet it still got us. Yeah. Uh, I really feel like this was this was definitely like like right out of the gate. I want to say this was a good one. Mm-hmm. This was a really, really good one. Oh, we're gonna have to see how the ratings are going. You know, we have not given a single f- perfect score to any episode yet this season. Really, really, we've huh. come close a few times, but uh, we'll see at the end of the episode what we thought of this one. Yeah, guess so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll see when we when we when we get to it. Talk our way through it and find it out. I'm gonna open that doc up just so I have it because I made it. Thank you so much, Evil Unicorn. <laughs> Love for that for doing my busy work for me. Uh, I'm having the hardest time finding. Here it is. I was trying to find my uh, my own notes on my computer, and I was like, where did oh. I put them? Where did I put them? But here it is. <laughs> you did it. But yeah. Well, well, uh, should we get into it? Let's get into it. Well, here's the basic plot. Once upon a time in the present, Cora meets Hook at the bottom of the beanstalk. For his betrayal, she's decided not to take him with her to Storybrooke. She leaves him there and heads back to the refuge, now strewn with heart-free bodies. In a conspicuous hut, she takes one of the very obviously cataloged collection of hearts and uses it to control all of the bodies, turning them into seemingly unstoppable zombies ready to do her bidding, and she sends them off to retrieve the compass. 
Meanwhile, because Aurora can talk to Henry in their post-cursed netherworld, Snow White is convinced they can find a way home now that they can communicate with gold via Henry. She is able to tell Henry that Cora is trying to get to Storybrooke and they need advice from gold on how to stop her. While Mulan is upset that going deeper into the netherworld in her sleep has been physically burning her, Aurora is determined to use her second chance at life to help others. Regina enlists Gold, thanks to their common enemy, Cora, who is not as dead as either of them thought she was. Gold instructs Henry to tell Aurora that they can't find the magic squid ink used by Cinderella to immobilize him so that Snow and Charming could imprison him back in the before times in his old magic jail cell. Unfortunately, due to a surprise attack by zombie villagers, Aurora has to be pulled out of her slumber before Henry relays all of the information, which causes him to become badly burned. In order to keep him safe, in order to keep him safe, both David and Regina refuse to let Henry go back to sleep to play messenger, despite his protests. In the zombie kerfuffle, Mulan grabs Aurora and leaves Snow and Emma to fend for themselves. Unfortunately, her plan backfires as they are overwhelmed and Aurora is kidnapped. David instructs Regina and Gold to put him into a sleeping curse so he can find his way to the room, because he has a gut feeling Snow will be there, waiting to make contact. Once there, she can break his sleeping curse with True Love's kiss. He, she can break his sleeping curse with True Love's kiss. He assumes. In the pit, Cora tries to convince Aurora to be kinder to her by telling her there's a way to get Prince Philip's soul back into his body. Aurora, though, is plucky and refuses to be bought with hopeful promises. Cora doesn't mind, though, as her real plan is to trade Aurora for the compass. She doesn't need Aurora's cooperation or consciousness for that. She throws her against the wall, knocking her out cold. Reuniting after the chaos, one princess down, Snow White asks Mulan to take them to the last patch of poppies growing in this area to make another sleeping powder to help her go into an unprotected deep sleep so she can head back to the netherworld in her own sleep to continue the communications. On their way, a raven sent by Korra tells Snow White, who speaks bird, about the trade terms and conditions. They argue about what to do, and Snow and Emma are able to convince Mulan to give them until dusk to figure out an alternative plan, they think. David gets put to sleep wearing the protective amulet from Henry. Once under, he uses the amulet to find his way from the holding area to the fiery room. Once there, he meets Snow and delivers the information they need to stop Korra. Unfortunately, since their physical bodies aren't actually present, they're unable to kiss one another, leaving David trapped in the fiery room for the duration of his cursed sleep until she can get home to him. When Snow wakes up from her sleep, upset, she and Emma discover that Mulan is gone, and so is the compass. Snow, now fueled by fear for her abandoned sleeping husband, tracks Mulan down quickly and forcefully attempts to remove the compass from her person. Before any really rash decisions can be made, Aurora pops up, stopping the scuffle. She delivers a message from Hook, who had set her free, seemingly to get even with Cora and regain Emma's trust and help them get home. Unfortunately, what he really did was steal her heart while she was unconscious as a gift to Cora, so that he could still travel with her to Storybrooke. All of the promising words of Hook's message to Emma are coming straight from Cora's mouth, and now she knows they're heading for Rumpelstiltskin's old jail cell. Bum, bum, bum. 
Lots of lots of fun present things. No past things. There was nothing. I, I we were talking they, about it before the show. The I only told- past thing they tied back to was the Cinderella story where they captured him with the quill and the contract. And they we didn't see any of it. Yep. I think I just heard like sorry, I think I just heard thunder. I did too. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> There's that thunderstorm from this morning that we were supposed to get all day. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we'll, we'll record in the evening. We'll miss the, the weather. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about how this is an all-present episode. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I really I really cannot recall an example of them ever having an all-present episode before this one. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, all I have to go off of right now is uh, the titles. (laughs) All I have to go Mm -hmm. off of is titles of previous episodes. Um, But I think you're right. I think this might be the only one so far. Yeah, I I just, I really enjoyed this one. I I was, I was drawn in. uh, And, you know, I've seen this one a few times. Yeah. So Uh, where do you you want to start? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Where should we start? Uh, there's so much to talk about in this one. Um, I so, want to start. Oh, you go start. Ahead. No. Uh, so one thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, like early on that I liked was how um, we've seen how dangerous Cora is. Yes. Like physically, she's wiped out a whole village. Yes. Um, I appreciate the folks in the real world, you know, our, our big bads from the last season, essentially Rumpelstiltskin and, and the evil queen, Regina. I love them both being kind of like, Oh shit. United (laughs) against her. Yes. Yeah. Even though gold is doing his cocky man thing. I'm like, no, I I think I could take her. I I win in the end. I was like, I I did laugh at the front. I had to laugh. Hold on. I had to laugh at an exchange between the two of them. And I wrote it down in my notes. It was so good. It was. um, It was so gold. It was so gold. It was. So Cora, she's pretty powerful. Yes, but not as powerful as I am. Regina scoffs. Debatable. No, actually, it's not. (laughs) It's just. They're so catty with each other. I know. I love it. I guess I should leave my notes open. Here's how we make this whole show better. Um, uh, Gold and Regina are now gay. And then the show's better. I mean, what's I changed? Love, okay, what's what's changed <laughs> is that, um, well, Regina's already bi. Regina is canon yeah. bi. Change my mind. You won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Gold were a catty old gay dude, I would love him. But he is Rumpelstiltskin. Despite how evil he is. But that's Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> I know. Give, give me that. Like, no, I'm saying as from you, you just want that all the time. You just want giggles all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I want that all the time. Don't try and like redeem him or give me some romantic oh, story or blah I, blah blah. I have I have decided that redeeming Rumpelstiltskin is one of the, constantly attempting to redeem Rumpelstiltskin is one of the downfalls of this series. And a major attempt at redeeming him will be coming fairly soon. <sighs> it doesn't uh, never. Which I, which I spoiler. hate. Spoiler alert. It never lasts long. No. Um, but I, I'm just going to say, uh, to steal from uh, problematic fave, uh, Lindsay Ellis, if you have a character who is on a redemption path and their redemption is essentially like, oh, we're going to give them like a heroic death or one good, big, good deed to redeem all of their past. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I want them to struggle with 
the things they've done. I want to see a character who is villainous be kind of haunted by the way they've behaved and treated people in the past. Are you defending Spike right now? I'm defending Spike's crazy breakdowns in season seven a little bit. Yes. I mean, look, I get it. He got his soul back and that's fine. But them as a couple still gross. Okay, I get to put the coin in the Buffy jar this time. <laughs> I have I have a conversation that we're going to revisit a few times this season as long as Cora is here. And that is my honest question that I'm still trying to figure the answer out to. Is Cora a good villain? Like, is she a satisfying villain? Or am I just tired of her because she's tiresome? For example, we haven't gotten to this character yet, but if you're listening to a Once Upon a Time podcast, there's a good chance you've already watched all of Once Upon a Time. Uh, for example, Zelina, as as a villain, isn't a good villain to me. She's just tiresome. I'm just tired of her and annoyed by her. All the evil stuff she does is just exhausting and not at all like... I don't I don't even know how to put it. It's just tiresome. At this point in the show, I don't find Cora, Cora to be a very compelling not, villain. She's not a very good villain right now. She's not very effective yet. I don't see, like, I see why people are, and they're going to build her up more as the season goes on. We don't know what Gold's problem with her is yet, um, other than she exists. Um, but we know why she's so bad to Regina. So we just yeah. have we still have to see why she's considered this big bad. And so far we haven't really seen it other than she was able to rip the hearts out of an entire village of survivors. Um, yeah. Without being taken down, which is pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, that's scary, but it's like right now, all we know about her is that she's magically powerful. Mm -hmm. What we don't know is like what her motivation is other than to get to our world for, you know, to meet her daughter. Nebulous yeah. reasons to, to meet her daughter. And uh, does this represent a threat to Regina? Does this represent, uh, you know, a threat to Regina's arc? What does it mean? I have a, uh, I, have I a, don't know. I have a question for our heroes regarding mm -hmm. Cora, specifically her hut slash vault. Um, when they were searching for survivors, did they not find it weird that one of the most prominent huts in their little city had a whole bunch of heart shaped box cata cataloged? In oh, Heart Shaped Box is such a good Joe Hill book. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> I, I think that she pin. probably just hid it in some kind of way, shape, or form. I'm, I guess. It's just that, you know, it's not, it's like I wrote in the summary, it's very conspicuous. It's the biggest hut there, and it's just full of boxes. Um, mm -hmm. And certainly, here's the thing, though. And here's my, my own defense for my own question. I know that Snow has not seen these before. I know that Emma... I don't think Emma's seen these before either. No. Because um, she's never been to the vault. So it makes sense that they would have missed it. I just think that maybe Mulan or Aurora would have been like, well, that's weird. My, my guess is that maybe they were, it was hidden in some kind of way or cloaked or masked by the power of plot convenience. You know, yeah. I, the power of plot convenience is strong. She's magic. She can teleport things around. So maybe she it's had true. that, you know, ghosted off somewhere. It's true. She just put a cloaking spell over it or something. Yeah. Can we talk about her um, really out of place, but I love it fashion for this whole area? Okay, straight up this green gown with all these different materials and different textures and like shades of the green. Appliques. I, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. I, I, Be best dress of the episode for me already. Like her, her straight up. 
it's so beautifully out of place. It's weirds me out, but I love it. Like, it just makes sense that Korra would be in this, like, very primitive land, like, living off the land, basically, but she's still wearing her, like, ball gowns. Mm-hmm. Her finery. She's not letting any of this dirt and, and all of these poor people let her fashion sense down, you know? Yeah. And I think it's absolutely, that's the character. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a vibe about her that makes her feel untouchable, even though we haven't seen her do anything. And this isn't, you know, this isn't Buffy, you know, we're not going to have a a martial arts battle with her and Emma, (laughs) you know, we don't really have a lot of, of that sort of like combat to, to defeat a villain on this show. Mm Mm-hmm. But, no, it's it's know, gonna be throwing magic at each other. Yeah, but something about having her in these this very ostentatious outfit is it, it's really just a solid choice and it and it to me informs us about the character. Yeah, I agree. Which is good because we don't get enough about her and why we should be afraid of her, other than being told she's scary. I feel like I'm mm-hmm. I'm reversing course because earlier I was like, you know, I like that they've shown her to be dangerous, but I don't know. Yeah. There's something about her that's missing. There's something that like there's it's, a there's a You know what it is? Mm. Here we go, improv. It's show don't tell. Mm. They're telling us how scary she is. They're telling us how powerful she is. They've only shown us like a tiny little tidbit and they're building up all the talk around it to be even bigger than we've seen so far. So there's no proof in this pudding. Well, I'm sure when we get her unrestricted, unrestrained magic stuff happening, um, it will definitely not be a letdown. Absolutely not. I'm sure her backstory is going to to tell us everything we need to know and not at all make me go. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, other than that, you know, we don't really know much about Cora other than, yeah. OK, yeah. she's Regina's mom. She's big magic and she's scary and she might be at the very least a match for gold who we are to understand is extraordinarily powerful he is the the most powerful yes uh second only to condiments which are this world's most powerful magic oh that was cute that was pretty cute that was how dare you how dare you say a bumple thing is cute uh, yeah well it was cute the the whole hamburger (laughs) sequence was cute okay Uh, granny treating them like crap was also pretty funny yeah this is Uh. this is yeah was it granny being shady about the dark magic i have a complicated and he goes well i have a complicated relationship with her as with most people when she says i charge for pickles (laughs) it made me think of the um the this this customer service training i had to watch when i worked for uh dairy queen (laughs) like in 2003, 2002, oh uh, I got a job at Dairy Queen and then we had to watch this video uh, for customer service training. And it was this old man talking about, you know, you can you can uh, you can charge a customer 15 cents to add pickles to their burger or you could just give them the pickle. It's about customer service. And it was this whole thing. And at the same time, if I had given a customer something. <laughs> If you had given them one extra pickle, one extra I'd drip have been of so pickle fired juice. so fast, but I did have to watch this video about how important it was to do. And then, you know, absolutely not ever do that. Also, if a burger is incorrect, it has to go in the trash. You cannot eat uh, food that was cooked incorrectly. 
that has to go in the trash. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, how dare! Great, I was making five twenty-five an hour. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I remember when uh, minimum wage was five twenty-five an hour. It's only seven twenty-five now. So, hmm. I remember when it bumped up to seven twenty-five an hour, and we were like, "That's it." I remember when it was six fifteen. <laughs> You know, why mm. I know it was 615 whenever I graduated college, because that's how I ended up working at a grocery store after getting a degree in broadcasting and being the outstanding student of my direct department um, was because to get a job at a grocery store, they were paying over minimum wage at 625 an hour. And to get a job in my field at the local news station, they were paying minimum wage five, 615 an hour. And I would have had to be there for the graveyard shift for the morning show. Mm. So no, thank you. Yeah. Guess which one I took. The, the, the yeah. non graveyard one. I took the non graveyard. I still had to be there at 6am some days, but I was walking there. And so I got a lot of exercise. Nice. Yeah. No. I liked being in a grocery store. Uh, I was a cashier and I was very good at it. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, there, there's stuff about Cora. Oh, gold also says something else about Cora that I, I just scrolled through. Um, Regina, you know, when Regina's trying to convince him to help, he's like, I can handle Cora. And she goes, oh, that's not how she tells it. Boop. And he hesitates for a second before he says, well, I won in the end. So he admits that he might have a little trouble with her in that. Um, yeah. So she threatens to leave Hook behind and... That's a big deal to him. Oh, yeah. So I think this is a natural transition point. So yeah. we can talk about relationships between characters. Yeah. Um, I wanted to jump off of that and talk about Hook. Yes. Uh, she and Hook have a very transactional relationship. I want to. I wanted to ask you, do you think Hook was sincere at the Beanstalk? That he was being very upfront when he said that he was only partnering with Cora because she Cora could get him to- Emma. Uh, he was telling Emma that he was only partnering with Cora because Cora could get him to the other world. I will say, I think he was telling them both the same thing and being very honest about it. He was being truthful to both of them in that he's only helping the other one so that this one will help him get there. He's really only helping both of them so that he can get to Storybrooke. And he's just playing the odds. Like he's playing, you know, he's he's putting money down on both. Yes, Yes, uh, 100%. Because I know that there is a reading that he's manipulating Emma when they first meet, uh, lying to her that he isn't really allied with Cora. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I agree. I think he's down to, he will betray her at the drop of a hat. He's, he does not care. That's why Emma didn't, you know, why I, Emma just went along with it for so long because he was being truthful. If Emma could get him to Storybrooke, he'd help her. Mm-hmm. If Cora is currently the one in front of them, oh no, he's helping Cora. Yep. Whoever is in his presence at the time is the one he's helping, which is why I brought up the what is Hook's alignment chart. He's all for himself a few episodes ago. Because I remember this happening. Yeah. Um, I will say that whenever he came down the beanstalk in the rain, this is the one time I believed he'd actually been climbing a beanstalk. <laughs> yeah, he was like actually worn out. I was like, actually yeah. worn out. <laughs> so I got to say, Cora, you were not going to climb that beanstalk. Mm-mm. Ma'am, Mm-mm. you were never going to climb that. She was going to magically climb that. She was going to magically climb the beanstalk. 
Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> also, I uh, I like how whenever she's like starting to take stuff away from him, he immediately goes into seduction mode. I'm like, well, let's let's uh let's talk about this. And yep. <laughs> she's just, your pretty face buys you a lot, but not my time. It's too valuable. Ooh, ooh, rejected. So- <laughs> I, I want to. I, I, I'm, I'm a little uh, scattered today, but something that excited me this episode was Emma and uh, Snow talking. Okay. Uh, Emma and Snow have this great conversation about whose fault all this is. Yes. And Snow says, um, we could spend all day talking about how each one of us is guilty. You know, she straight up says, you know, if I had never told Cora, then Cora wouldn't have, you know, Killed Regina's, uh, killed Regina's, um, fiance, fiance, Regina would have never been after me. Like, mm-hmm. and she's like, and you know what? None of this helps the situation. None of this helps us move forward. None of this helps us heal. She yes. doesn't use those words, but, um, I really appreciate that because I feel like generational trauma is a theme this season. Yes. Uh, and after after not this next episode, not this episode, not the next one, but after that, we're going to see a lot of that. You know, we're going to be diving into Cora and Regina's history, uh, Regina and Snow's history, and how that affects Henry, how that affects Emma yes. and who they are as people. And so seeing Emma respond with, I blame Regina. Yes, she's so close once again. They're once again so close to actually blaming the right person, and yet they still pick Regina. It's Cora's fault. I, yes, it's Cora's <laughs> fault. Um, just, arguably. I'm just so, I'm just so I mad. Mean, we could, from here, we could say it's Rumpelstiltskin's fault, because he taught her mad. Um, Annie, spoilers. But, yeah. No, Rumpelstiltskin isn't the one who made her kill her daughter's true love that wasn't a rumpelstiltskin thing at all no it's teaching not. her magic is one thing her deciding to kill because her daughter's position will bring her more power that's a cora thing i feel like this whole buck stops at cora i think i used Fair. that metaphor wrong but i think in the end we keep stopping at it's regina's fault when it's cora's fault because but she's I, blaming I, I, Snow, but what was she doing? What was she doing telling Snow her business anyway? I know that Snow caught her and she had to stop her from running to her father and all this jazz. But still, it's Cora's fault. Cora set up that that whole marriage anyway. Yep. I don't know. I, I like. I feel like, yes, it is Cora's fault, but I don't feel like blaming Cora at this stage fixes anything. Blaming Regina at this stage doesn't fix anything. No, absolutely not. And that's my... my <laughs> That's something I thought was interesting about this scene was that I, I wish that Snow had taken this moment to kind of be like, no, Emma, like, no, let's. Yeah, I agree. But the way they framed it where Snow having the reasonable position and then it being countered with. Emma still Emma being, being unreasonable. Like, no, I blame, I blame Regina and that not getting countered. Oh, that, that Well, they had a commercial me. break, so. Yeah. And we're also. Emma and Snow aren't seeing what Regina is doing back home. Yes. They're not yes. seeing the effort she is making and they're not seeing mm-hmm. the time and energy she's putting into her relationship with Henry. They're not seeing her actively helping David and uh, speaking of her relationship seeing... with Henry. That is so good. This episode. She, she is very honest and upfront with the fact that she's only used magic twice this time right now where she's making the sleeping curse for David that is requested of her. And whenever she had to help, Daniel crossover and and Henry says but you're using your powers for good 
Which is, once again, you don't have to go cold turkey if you're not being an evil queen, is how I see it. and that was such a moment where I was like, y- y'all are almost, y'all are almost figuring it out. You're almost like, there. Regina, isn't it nice that you can use magic to help people? Yes. It is odd as a character choice for Henry. Um, Cause it is definitely a choice being made for the character and not the actor making this choice uh, mm-hmm. to hate magic. Yes. <laughs> like, this, it's, it's a very odd choice. This episode, this episode is probably why I get so mad that in a few episodes, Henry's going to be like, magic's the worst. We need to get rid of all magic. Magic is what's tearing us apart. And in reality is like, just, she just needs to be encouraged to use it for good again. It's like moderation using the good well, stuff, not going back to the hard stuff immediately, you know? If we're using the drug metaphor. It's odd when Henry's character motivation in season one was magic is real. Yes. You all just can't see it. Yes. Magic is real and we need to believe in magic because it will save us. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this pie because I believe in magic. It is some whiplash. Yeah. It made no sense. Uh, Maybe they didn't think they were going to get renewed. I don't know. I, I feel like they had a good feeling about the show being renewed fairly early into I it. I meant in the first season. I, I, I That's what I'm talking about yeah, because yeah. of the money behind the show and uh, the names behind the show and coming off I the guess. success of Lost. It just seems odd. but I guess. I don't know. You're right. It's whiplash and it doesn't make sense for the character to be so, oh, I'm interested. I'm interested. This magic thing is interesting. I'm very glad you're not using it as a crutch, I'm happy to see you using it to help people. I'm also making a conscious choice to not be cynical. Mm-hmm. So when Henry says, will David be okay? Talking about David going under the sleeping curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry obviously knows David will be okay because he's been under a sleeping curse. Yes. And come out the other but side. He's scared so he knows of it. exactly what to expect mm-hmm. for David. And David's an adult who's helped him cope with it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely him asking that question out of uh, as a way to express his concern for his surrogate father, his only real father figure, <laughs> and his grandfather, uh, and his actual grandfather. Yeah, his yeah yeah. So I, was, yeah. I, I liked that. I liked that, and I'm choosing to read it that way. Yeah, uh, because it it works better in my head. Maybe it was intentional. <laughs> there you go. Hey. Yeah. I, oh, I forgot to do a satin shirt comparison since we're talking about Regina. <laughs> I have seen I have I have seen before on a retweet uh, from someone that, you know, when Emma's missing, Regina, you can tell that she and Regina have a connection because Regina starts wearing the satin shirt. And I have thought she was wearing the satin shirt before, but it was just a pair of pajamas that looked like them. Uh, I'm, I'm led to believe by this one retweet I saw last year that this might be the same satin, gray satin shirt that was loaned to Emma in season one. I accept this because... Um, I could be wrong. Because and if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will let me know, and I'm okay with that. Thank you very much for keeping me on my toes. Because these women are bi. <laughs> they don't know it yet, though. Um, they I, do. No, no, no. I, they don't know it yet for each other. I'm Swan Queen for life. That's uh, fair. They are my OTP for this show. That's fair. I am so excited for next season because we're going to get so much good Swan Queen content. Um <laughs> It waters my crops. It clears my skin. 
I it it pays each of my workers according to their need. And yeah, no, it's That's beautiful. it's wonderful. That's beautiful, it's wonderful. baby. <laughs> <sighs> I just found in my I just notes, want everyone to be gay. <laughs> I just I just found in my notes the all caps rant I had about the what about Cora though? Why aren't you blaming Cora? Why is this Regina's fault when Cora's right there? <laughs> It is the real question, you yeah. know, especially because like Regina is in a whole other world. Cora is a threat to you here and now. Yeah. Oh. You know, why are you so mad at your uh, girlfriend you have a crush on, but she, also she because she doesn't be, know. You know how yeah. she, you know how in all the TV shows I've ever seen, when two straight people don't realize that they have a crush on each other. They get really mad at each other for a while first and blame all their problems on the other person until they kiss and realize it's because they were in love. I Mainstream too media Harry is Potter. very toxic. <laughs> Again, I say I too have read Harry Potter. Yes, um, that We were talking about Harry and Draco, right? Uh, I was actually uh, thinking of the show Sex Education, uh, oh, but in I which case one that. is a straight and and one is the gay kid he's bullying and it's very toxic. And I was surprised that I eventually grew to like this couple as much as I did just in time for the break. Uh, spoilers. I, <laughs> I think that's how I'm gonna. Uh, that's how I'm going to um, uh, cope with my. Uh, they won't let Emma and Regina kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, need is I'm going to go reread all of Carry On Simon. Oh yeah, I because was, that, uh, that gives you my Drary, that gives you my my Draco Harry uh, fan fiction. Which I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I also could have been talking about a multitude of different current media. I could have been talking about Shira. Mm-hmm. Yep, I didn't with, finish Shira uh, because the, Shira. Yeah. I didn't finish Shira because the pandemic happened and we got to a really heavy season and I just I had to stop watching Shira because Shira was too heavy. I had to stop watching Handmaid's Tale because <laughs> that happened with me with a lot of shows where I just lost interest in them once the pandemic hit because the pandemic I was like, this, hit? Is, this is too heavy. Like I, all I want I, is stuff about superheroes or I needed, like fantasy. I needed baking show and I needed cooking competitions and I needed light, fluffy cartoons and um, random fantasy, but I could not do, I could not finish watching She-Ra. It was just too dark and every episode ended feeling so hopeless and I had to turn it off. I will get back to it soon. I'm sure. What about the makeup show? What was it like? It wasn't face off. That was the the movie with. There was a, there was a, Skin deep, glow up, glow, glow up. up. I did like glow up. I did the British one. Glow up was so good. The British, the British so makeup good. show, yes. right? Because yes, RuPaul yes, yes, did yes, one, yes, yes, hosted yes. one that was called like Skin Deep or something like that. Yeah, I don't care about that. I didn't watch I, that I like one. The British one. The British one was so good. Yes, you're right. Yes. The the uh, the co-hosts. I I love this this. There's this one co-host and he he is adorable and he always wears these horrendous sweaters and I want every one of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, at one point, he's wearing an orange sweater and it's just got huge googly eyes all over mm-hmm. it in different sizes, and I was like. I know that that's probably like a label and that that sweater costs, you know, like, you know, four, four grand, but I got a hot glue gun (laughs) and there's a Hobby Lobby not far from me. Hmm. All right. Let's see where we are on our topics. Yes. Let's see where we are on the topics. I get a little off. Can we go back to Hook for a second? uh, Either that or LMAO, Snow Speaks Bird. 
Oh my God. Snow speaks bird. I think we both wrote it down. We both wrote it down exactly. Snow speaks bird. Didn't we? Like literally verbatim. I wrote LMAO snow speaks bird completely like pressing my pencil into the pad. I just, it cracked me up and no one acknowledges it. I, I wrote snow can talk bird. I love it. I also <laughs> noted that that one shot, that one shot where the Raven lands on her is so beautiful. They are also well lit and well framed. It's just one of the most beautiful shots of the whole show. Is now all of them standing this, in the forest? You watch this on a on a real TV. I watched this on my tablet, um, oh. so it was on like a little eight inch screen. I keep How thinking of your look? big TV. Oh, the bird looked I fine. I was wondering, was this a real bird? I think it was a real it? bird. It was a real okay, bird. That's super cool. You can see, you can see that she was bracing for him. You could sort of see that she was expecting a bird to land on her. Or she wasn't yeah. surprised by it as a normal person would have been. There was a real bird uh, landing on her. Like she, she stood up straight <laughs> and, and everything. Like I see at the Ren Fair whenever the birds land. So yeah, I, I watched on my my small screen, so I couldn't really get all of the um, the fine details mm-hmm. that I normally get because uh, I was watching while I was working. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, I, I, I was like, I'm done with work. I'm going to rewatch the episode. And then like, I got a message from my boss of like, oh, she doesn't like the color. And I'm like, oh, well, of course they never like the colors. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting on the floor with my, uh, my half year old child while he entertained himself with something like a tag on a toy. Cause that's what babies like. They like the tags on the toys more than the toys. Um, like cats. Yeah. Yeah. Like we haven't given him a box yet. I haven't seen... He can't crawl yet. Whenever he can crawl, I'll give him a box. Um, oh, man. Snow Speaks Bird. I love it. Uh, is... is I have a question about Hook. Is Hook's Hook still enchanted to rip out a heart? I thought it could only be used once. If not, how did Hook rip out this girl's heart? Shh. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I mean, I, I hold on. It's gonna I put, be fine. It's I didn't know anyone fine. without magic could do it now, so we can just go around without rhyme or reason, rip out people's hearts. Uh, I know yeah. it was magic the one time. I know that anyone can put a heart back in. Mm-hmm. Anyone can put a heart that back in. A lot. But I didn't know you. I mean, like I said, the only way it makes sense is if his hook is still enchanted for heart ripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe it is. I, and uh, he did it while she was asleep, um, which breaks all sorts of rules. Um, also, at one point, Emma forces Aurora to go back to sleep, and I don't think that's how it works. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. <laughs> also, forcing someone to go to sleep is a mixed rude. bag. How's that going for you as that a just as seems a parent? Rude. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten better this week, but forcing someone to go to sleep still involves some uh, some tears and heartache. I know that was like that was crushing you. I was like, oh my heart! And now, now we've got bedtimes. He went to sleep. He went to sleep within three minutes. He cried for three minutes and went to sleep the last couple nights. But now it's naps. Aw, y'all, y'all. St- Y'all send your love to Elaine because because they're <laughs> sleep training is a uh, and and I hear I hear you I hear that I don't have to sleep train I hear that I can just hold him while he sleeps the whole time 
But I want to point out that I work a full-time job from home. And if I'm holding my child for 30 minutes to an hour, this 30 minutes to an hour of work, I cannot do during my work hours and will have to find another time to do. And that's just not good for family life. I mean, you could also be like straight up. You're like, look, I have to poop at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Well, then I'd put them in the playpen with an <laughs> iPad and say, here, watch I'm- these dancing vegetables. I and mean, I run fair. across the hall with the door open and the <laughs> vent going. Parenthood's parenthood's real, real classy, y'all. I'm I'm gonna stick to cats. I uh I don't think I'm equipped to deal with a baby human. Oh, the cats always poop with the door open. I know, but they're cats, so it's <laughs> exactly. like you know. Uh, okay, so that's my question about hook. I'm glad you have the same question. Um Let's see what we've got next on our list. Uh, do we want to talk about Mulan and Aurora's relationship? Um, I don't have a lot to say about it other than that there is no heterosexual explanation for the way Mulan acts. I mean, I get that. I get where she's coming, where she thinks she's coming from. She thinks As she's coming from. As a bisexual woman? Yes, I, I think I get that too. Look, she's not out to herself yet. <laughs> she's not out to herself yet. Um, she was in love with Philip. So that... So that she was in love with Philip. Aurora was in love with Philip. Philip's last wish to Mulan, his best bud, was to please keep keep his true love safe from harm. So to her, this is her way to prove how much she loved him by protecting Aurora. And she doesn't like Aurora. Once again, falling into the trope of this person is a nuisance, but I have to protect them. Oh, no, I'm slowly falling in love with them. Mm hmm. I just Uh, like there's something about watching her make incredibly stupid decisions. So stupid. For Aurora. Yes. um, And not really understanding why. I deeply relate to that. Like running, like running away with Aurora whenever there's safety in numbers. Uh, just so she can be the big hero or stealing the compass so she can go get Aurora back and not risk Aurora's life, mm-hmm. which I get. Look, yeah, I get that. Look, those people are risking her life. They're trying, but they're too slow. I get it. You found an, you found an opening. So let's talk about, let's talk about, I think to me, the big moment of the episode and, and what really elevated it, which was we, we learned that we learn, you know, we, we've already said it in this summary. We learned that, that Henry, they don't want him to go back, which is, they don't want him to go back, and Mulan doesn't want Aurora going back in. It's too dangerous for both of them. Which is also how you and know the Aurora's, audience for the show kidnapped. is... Aurora's kidnapped. The audience for the show is adults, is parents. Because mm-hmm. if this was a quote-unquote family show or a show mar- like advertising to children, Henry would absolutely go back. Because the kids mm-hmm. get to get involved and save the day and do dangerous stuff. No, this yeah. is a show for parents. This is a show yeah. for the adults. No, you're, um, we saw a visible burn, and I don't care if we can magically heal it right now. You're not going back in there. That's final, mister. Go to your room. Which the burn makeup looks pretty good. I was going to ask you about that. I wrote to ask you about the burn prosthesis. I thought that I thought the burn makeup looked pretty good. Mads was in a musical, a small musical several years ago that will be unnamed. Um, but they had to have they had to have fire uh, burn prosthesis put on them every night. And it was like it was pretty good. We had a girl I think it was pretty good from the audience. It looked pretty good. We had a girl who specifically came in every night just to put this burn prosthesis on you. That was her only job. And it took the whole time. 
it, we, you know, and like in retrospect, we really should have made like a prosthesis. I mean, well, you had um, to be able to peel be, it off. Well, we could. Oh, that's true. Because we could have made a prosthesis that could have been reapplied. But yeah, I had to take it off on stage. You had so to be able to, to re- rip it off dramatically. Yeah, we had to rebuild it every single night. <laughs> it was like it looked uh, great from from the audience. I I it, honestly don't looked, know how it looked up close because I never got backstage with you. Um, it looked great up close. Um, and for those who don't know, I have I have uh, dealt with some pretty serious burns before. <laughs> I've seen some burns. Oh, what was her name? She was so good. She's in Texas now, and she's she's a fantastic actress in Texas now. Oh, so. yes. <clears throat> I'd have to look up her name, but she's amazing. And, she uh, was a guest, too, wasn't she? Hmm? With Silverbacks? Wasn't she a guest when we did our uh, so. show? I don't think okay. so. Um, I saw her in The Cherry Orchard as the main character, and she broke my heart in so many good ways. So she was an amazing oh, yeah. actress. Just just great actress. But yeah. What is her well, name? Oh, I'll look it up later. <laughs> it's on the tip of my brain, but yeah. Anywho. Um, yeah, the, that looked good, but yeah, I, I liked that. So we wound up with snow and charming oh, going goodness. into the underworld. Okay. And and y'all know me, I'm a sucker for a snow and charming storyline. Uh, I, David Nolan, I'm very critical of because he's an idiot without his counterpart. Oh my God. I felt snow, so many snow slash Mary Margaret on her own. Still a badass. David needs Snow White to charming needs Snow White to ground him. Yes. And in this episode, I don't have a whole lot of criticisms for him because snow is still grounding him because all he's thinking of is he knows he has his connection with her. And so I love that just as she decides I'm going in, he's like, I know snow will be there. Yep. Like he just knows he knows her. He knows who she is. And Oh my God, it just makes me so happy that these two are just so in sync like that. I I love how stupidly self-sacrificing he is doing this. It actually works. Yes. It doesn't feel arbitrary. It actually, it makes perfect sense for him to do this so that even though it is wild, how we got here by the end of the episode, I love having snow and charming reuniting in hell essentially yeah uh, especially because the, oh they need to be together they're so yes. good together yes their their chemistry so good they they got married mm-hmm. and made children because of it yeah in real life well um, that doesn't always work but yeah they have great chem- <laughs> they did though <laughs> they, they did look i read a bus <laughs> I, I got suckered in by a buzzfeed article today that was um real life couples who met on set <clears throat> Oh. And and I was waiting for them to show up, and they were like the last w- one of the last couples. Like they were saving them for their their roundup at the end. And I was I like got emotional, just like yes, they did. I watched them fall in love. <laughs> well, Sarah Michelle Geller and um, <clears throat> Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. That's my I other think favorite. Set of Scooby Doo. It's my other favorite celebrity couple. I don't want to talk. I'm going to knock on my desk now. I don't want to talk about celebrity couples who are still together in case they break up. <laughs> I, I love those two. And uh, oh God, what's too. the other one? Like, I'm so mad about, I'm so, not mad. I'm I'm a little, I'm a little 
heartbroken over Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet right now. Oh, I didn't know that they split up. Yeah, it was very oh, amicable. Sad. It was super amicable. They're just, you know, they've gone different Consciously ways. Consciously uncoupling. I read somewhere that he's traveling all over the place all the time, and that's what he wants to do, and she wants to be more of a homebody, so it didn't make sense for them as a couple. They yeah. still They still have mad love for each other, but... They're gonna they're gonna try figure out who they are now independently. And I'm like <gasps> it's so beautiful and sad. <laughs> it's it's run its course and it's beautiful and now it's time to move forward. They, they're gonna keep co parenting their children, so it's not like you know, it's it's like how she still has this amazing relationship with Lenny Kravitz. And mm-hmm. he was he's bros with Lenny Kravitz, so I feel a kinship with her and that she's friends with so many of her exes. I'd like to be more than bros with Lenny Kravitz. I, I understand that. But as a person who's friends with so many of her exes, I respect their their amicable breakup. Yes. So, Anywho. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to, so, <laughs> no, it's so, me too. It's, I'm, so, ju- I'm just as guilty. We're talking about hot people. Uh, uh, we're so, talking about hot celebrities getting together. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Um. I, I, you, you mentioned your favorite line of this episode came from David. Yes. Before we started um, recording. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Where is it? I, um, you will always find me when he realizes he's going to be trapped in the underworld yes. until she gets back to Wait. the real world. And he is not bothered by this. He yeah. believes in her. He's like, you're going to get home. Even though everything that we know about this says that this is impossible. I believe in you. Yes. There's not a moment's hesitation. And God, I think that's what they needed after what happened last season. Uh, you, I wasn't the line I thought you were going to say. I thought the line oh. you were going to say was, now oh, put me under. I've spent far too much time looking for my wife. It is time to bring her home. Oh, yes. That 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 prefaced all this because, hell, we, the audience, are sick of it. We've had 30 <laughs> episodes of will they, won't they actually be able to be together because yes. the whole time we know they belong together. And that's not a fanon thing. I mean, that is literally in the, the text she, of the show. She even at one point says something about, is this what we're doomed to be? Constantly losing and having to find each other and constantly losing each other again. Like, and he says, no, I have faith. You'll that find line me. is so corny, and she delivers it so fucking well. She she always does. You've said that about her lines before, but that's, she's so good. That's just yeah, because yeah. that is some that is some. I I swear I've heard that line in a fanfic, like <laughs> not not fan fiction. I love fan fiction. I uh, earlier referenced Drary because uh, me little fifteen year old queer me read a lot of Drary and a lot of Gundam Wing fan fiction. Um, <laughs> I'm familiar with this style. <laughs> yes. And it's a fan fiction line, but it's delivered so well. Mm-hmm. So well. And I, I love how Snow, Snow, also a hero, her reaction mm-hmm. to waking up and being pulled away from Charming is to freak out because he's in there alone. And she doesn't oh, she's want him. Like, she's scared of that room. Back out. <laughs> she specifically stopped sleeping heavily. And always left herself in kind of a guarded sleep state so that she could wake up if she ever found herself going into the netherworld again. <sighs> because it's so horrifying to her and so traumatizing. So going yep. back in there was a very heroic thing for her to do. Uh, in fact, it referenced to me, it goes back to something that uh, 
charming because whenever he says good things he's charming when he does dumb things he's david um yeah charming says at one point when henry's like no let me go in that's what heroes do and he says sometimes the heroic thing is knowing when not to go into the fire yes yeah (sighs) this is a good one this has so many good lines we have our prince charming back in this one after so many episodes of him being david nolan and again I love so much the choice of his him to have absolute faith in Snow because last season he did not. Last season yes. he believed that it was possible that Mary Margaret really killed someone. Yes, and he's trying to redeem himself from that because he because Charming knows Charming knows that Snow would never do that. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, Charming knows that she can be talked out of it. Yeah, because she did have a knife at someone's throat this episode. She, uh, she did also almost kill Regina that one time. Uh, but yeah, this, 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 uh, when he says, you will always find me when he's left there. And she says, I'm waking. Yeah. Oh my God. And she's crying when she wakes up. And then she like nearly murders everyone who tries to get in her way. I could get the line out. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it to affect me so much, but it I know you me. usually don't get so choked up about Snow White head stuff, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm normally like a dead, uh, unfeeling monster, and this, like, <laughs> you know, the rea- the the response of like I'm waking up, you know, I, just not being able to see him. Yeah. She would rather literally stay in hell to yeah. be with him. Than, than, than to be separated. Oh my God. Anywho, yeah. that's why I love Hades Town. <laughs> I'll give it a chance again. I, I, see I like it. a tragedy, though. I can see it. I'll, I'll like it. I don't know. Maybe yeah, the music what, just caught me at the wrong time. It might have been that, and it's good to watch it. it it's really good to watch. I'll, I'll send mm-hmm. you. A, I'll send you a, a a version you can. I saw a watch. good local. I saw a good local production of Euripides. And, uh, Eurydice? Eurydice, that's it. Euripides is part of the joke. Uh, is a joke for something else. Um, yeah, sorry. We would never condone Eurydice. piracy, but I, uh, I have Eurydice. a stage recording. I'll send it to you. <laughs> it's yeah, also, I, I think it's coming here fairly soon. I know, but you know, I never go to the Sanger, not during a pandemic. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's doing um, the producers here in Lafayette, too. There's a pandemic. I'm not going to go see it. Oh. I saw um, Sanger's in New Orleans, right? That's the one yes. we saw Welcome to Night Vale at. That was a great theater. Yes, that's a beautiful That was theater. a great show. Uh, um, uh, so, so all over the place. I'm just excited that's to, okay. to hear you. Um, I, I love that the, the fiery room literally looks like a disco inferno. And look, it. I'm trying to figure out if the glass floor, the dance floor is what's throwing that whole room. Cause it's not a scary room to me. Yeah. There's a lot of fire. I wonder if a black floor would have made it scarier for me because you can obviously see that it's like a lit floor with glass panels. I think, I think that the reason they have the lit floor with the glass panels, why they have that is one. It might be an actual lit floor. Like yeah, that might I know. not be a CG floor. I'm uh, certain it is their, to get their fire effects on their faces. I'm certain but it, also it is serves to kind of like, make their feet look a little more anchored in that unusual space. And, yeah. I, it, it, they wanted the white, I get that they wanted the white floor. I don't know. There's just something the first couple times I saw the fiery room, I was like, okay, but the more time we spend it, I'm like, burn, baby, burn, disco inferno starts going through my head and I, I can't take it as seriously. It's not, I mean, if, if I were in the room 
and the fire was constantly licking at my face, I would be terrified of it. You're right. But as a viewer, I'm like, okay. I really appreciated um, before, uh, and this is backpedaling, but I really appreciated before he got down into the fiery part um, when he was wandering around the set of the 2004 Joel Schumacher version of <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Uh, I like that, that, that production. Is, that is absolutely a direct reference to Phantom of the Opera, according to IMDb. Nice. IMDb. But like, I saw that like before I even looked it up and I was like, that looks like, that looks like the Phantom movie. Yes. <laughs> it looks like it. I, I, I like that they, they described it as you're wandering around aimlessly and lost and it came to a hall of mirrors. I'm like, oh yeah, that would do it. Yeah. So, Elaine. Yes, Matt. Are there any other 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 themes of this episode that you want to dump into, or like things that you, we really need to talk about? I let me give a quick scroll. Let me give a quick scroll. Um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, there was a pendant that would protect them in the fire, and David broke that like as soon <gasps> as he got there. David broke it because it is what led him to the fiery room. So it was a it was a worthy sacrifice. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like, of course, of course, that's it. I, I find another point towards Cora's inefficiency as a villain is that when Hook doesn't come through for her, she goes, fine, I'll just do it myself. I'm like, you could have done it yourself this whole time. This yeah. whole time. You're just lazy. She just didn't want it bad enough. She yeah. doesn't have these affirmational podcasts that I listen to <laughs> that help encourage me to be a them boss. <laughs> I I appreciated that when Henry came out of his sleep and they were like, what is, what's the problem that they're facing? Um, what's the danger we're about to face? And he doesn't say her name. He doesn't say my grandmother. He looks Regina in the face and says, it's your mother. Just specifically like, I'm not related to this. He doesn't say my other grandmother. It's just, I just... I like that. That felt impactful to me and I appreciated it. Yes. Um, the burns you're hiding. They're not from the sun. Ah, come on. I mean, obviously not like, obviously not. Um, <sighs> I appreciated that Regina brought Henry, his blanket from back home. Yes. That was very sweet. I love their she relationship. Was, she was trying. Episode. She was trying this episode. I liked Regina this episode. Um, She's trying so hard, and I'm about to be so mad, but also ooh, understand. I'm be so mad. That's that's part. Have... They're building. They're building her up so sweetly right now, and they're about to just like bomb us. Yep. It doesn't Which, even make sense whenever we get bombed either. I I think that you know if we're going with the addiction metaphor, it's love um, bombing. Well, if we're going with the addiction well, metaphor about magic, um, mm -hmm. you know, thing in, uh, addiction is never a straight line. Yeah. There's always a path. Um, and I think in the case of of of, of Regina, she's mm -hmm. dealing with a, a toxic relationship with, a, with her mother. Yeah. And uh, having that toxic person re-into your life can cause you to make some bad decisions. And we'll I, be analyzing that a lot this season. I, I can also take it from a, a narcissistic a narcissistic relationship standpoint yeah, in which she... Because she absolutely has a narcissistic, a narcissistic she, parent. She's got a narcissistic parent. And all it, you know, if all you've done is you've tried to get away from her, but you also seek her approval because that's how you've been conditioned. 
Um, you just want your mother to love you, I guess. In her case, yep. she just wanted her mother to love her and approve of her. Um, and so when she gets back and she's just like, my darling, I love you. She's lo- it's, it's all it takes to love bomb her back into compliance. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm giving a lot of spoilers for a few episodes from now. I hope it's a few episodes yeah. from now. I don't know. It's, it's the, the rest of the season. Yeah. It's the overarching yeah. plot of the remaining of the season, remainder of the season. And I'm going to say right now that uh, Space Jam 2 did a better job of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's terrible. Um, it's terrible. Speaking of terrible things, we need to watch. We need to watch uh, The Descendants Part 2. I do. Um, I need to watch The Descendants Part 1 still. Yes. Uh, uh, I do have another thing I want to touch on real quick. There was something mm-hmm. that they introduced in this, and then we're going to come back to mm-hmm. sometime later, is that when Cora is talking to Aurora, just for funsies, because she doesn't actually need her, um, right? she asks why Aurora is helping so much. And she's like, oh, did you think you were going to go back to Storybrooke with them? Start a new life? You've forgotten your prince already? Um, rude. Someone is in mourning. Uh, and, but then she introduces that, oh, we can bring Philip back if you're a little nicer to me. So introducing the idea that all's not lost, she can still have her happy ending, which I appreciate from the writers. Thanks for that. Because, uh, Aurora and Philip are my favorite Disney cartoon characters, princess wise. Right. But they I are mean- my, that's my favorite. That's my favorite of all the Disney movies is Sleeping Beauty. So I appreciated that. I like that we have opposite reactions, but given the context, it is absolutely uh, understandable uh, for our favorite sh- our favorite Disney movies. Like mm-hmm. me with Beauty and the Beast, I'm like, no, get Belle away from that man. Oh my god, no, no, and no. You're like, <laughs> no, but and for years, you're like, bring Philip back. Yes, Philip's Philip a good is dude. a good dude, but that's why he's dead forever. <laughs> you probably know my theory. <laughs> With my theory, it would be fitting for him to be dead forever. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to it we'll so get, hard. Yeah, we'll get there. So intensely. Uh, uh, only the good die for real. Um, yeah. I, yeah. That's where I am with that. I'm still looking through my notes. Cora is a true monster, says the dark one. Show me. Prove it. You know who is a true monster? The judge from last episode. so far far, that's what it is so far king george is the most effective villain we've had on this show absolutely absolutely so far he's the only one i've actually been scared of yeah because you don't know what he's going to do Mm -hmm. and he's actually successful regina in season one hit a few of those notes sometimes too like Mm -hmm. obviously regina in season one was a more effective villain Period, because she was supposed to be. She was the villain of season one. She did a good job of it. They got a little wishy-washy at some times, but they kept her the villain. It made sense. She had her comeuppance, and we got to see a vulnerable moment because of it. But King George is, like, truly a scary villain who doesn't want redemption, and I appreciate the hell out of that. (laughs) Just let the villain be a villain. Just let the bad guy be a bad guy. Stop nerfing him. Stop, not even nerfing, stop, um neutering him that's the word i was making snip i was making snip motion with my fingers and i couldn't remember the word uh so yeah the most successful villain they've had other outside of season one has been king george that's it that's my statement send send tweet no fair i mean and you got there 
You got there? Yeah, yeah. I got there um, like four times and then kept reiterating it. <laughs> so I felt like everything in this episode w- was executed well. Yes. That the story was as strong as it's ever been. And that this is an episode um, that blends the fantasy and the real world problems um, wonderfully. Yeah, without falling back on a, in the past, here's why this is relevant. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This, to me, represents Once Upon a Time at its best, this episode. And I also want to say, I I believe we've had references to Snow White having nightmares after she first woke up from, from... being under the sleeping curse way early in the season. And so having this reappear and be an effective way to resolve this ongoing plot actually works really, really well. Yes. And is well thought out. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I love this episode. This is a great episode. Is it a five out of five episode? A five uh, out of five a, of what? This is, uh, oh, um, I guess that's our biggest question with our cliffhanger uh, that we're leaving right now. This is a this is a uh, five obtuse references to Phantom of the Opera out of five for me. <laughs> I I'm going to agree with you. This is our first five out of five of the whole season. Uh-huh. And only, it only took eight episodes for us to get a perfect score on a on a show. This one, the season is very good. Like we've had several four out of fives in this show on this yep. season. Um, it's a very good season, but it took a long it's time okay. for it to be at its best. And I'm it. It took Snow and Charming doing what they do best for it to get there, huh? It it took Snow and Charming. Um, and honestly, I think the show is going to get stronger when Regina and Emma are back on screen together. Yes, let's get the main cast back together. They work so well together. Yes, it's you need you, there. There are relationships that we need to see on this show for it to work. I think, and this episode really proves it. Yeah. Like you need a little bit of that. Um, we'll see if we hit it again next week. Uh, next week is the resolution to the the first half of this this uh, story arc. So uh, when we come back, it's going to be episode nine, episode thirty one for us, uh, Queen of Hearts. Oh, I, I wonder am, what I'm that's about. I'm 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 legit excited for the next one. I know. I, I know. I'm, I'm I'm ready to see because again, I binged all of these when I was in a um, a direct postpartum haze. So <laughs> I'm interested. Well, I'm also looking at photos from that episode, like right now, and I'm like, oh, there's some looks coming up. Yeah. I want to, and I do want to keep revisiting the is Cora an effective villain conversation. So we've got that to look forward uh, to. Yeah. Yes. All right. So with our first perfect score of the season for Into the Deep, I guess we're yeah, done. Sorry. I guess we're done here. Yeah, I, I think we are. Well. Um, this has been story broke. Wait, before oh, we wait, go, uh, before we go. Oh, well, I won't. Um, why don't we go on down to the to the rec room? Because oh. I made a recommendation oh. recently, and I want to ask you what you well, thought of it. Hold on, we're still in story broke. Yes, go ahead. What did you think of the extraordinaries? Because if you're looking for a hero to uh, enemies to lovers type storyline, if you're looking for something gay, and if you're looking for <laughs> self aware genre fiction uh, and unaware people, oh my goodness. 
Oh my goodness. Damn, do they have that with the extraordinaries. I, did, I enjoyed the extraordinaries and its sequel a whole lot. And I kept trying to text you about it, but you never knew what I was talking about because you had moved on to something like, else what? by then. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd read, I've, I've, uh, I've read. What I did was I handed Mads my phone with the Libby app open and said, here, pick some books for me. And Mads put the, hold on, I want to get the author's name. TJ Clune, because his... His adult realistic fantasy thing is very popular Mads right put now. Three T three TJ Clune? Yeah, three TJ Clune books into my holds for me to listen to. And I went through I haven't been able to listen to a lot of audiobooks because I have a child and I'm trying to devote all the attention. But I got so into the extraordinaries that I would look at my son and go, You wanna listen to mama's audiobook for a little while? We were doing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Or like whenever I was trying to put him to sleep, but he was sleeping on me and wouldn't let me put him down. I was like, well, I have these headphones right here. I might as well. <laughs> my husband came oh, I immediately one, went. My husband came I in I immediately night. went to see what else the, uh, the, the, the voice actor has read for yeah. because I was like, oh, I just love his oh, vibe. No, that was fun. My, my husband came in one night after he worked a late shift and it was way past time for the child to be asleep. It had been at least an hour and a half since, since bedtime. And the, the counter showed that he'd been asleep that whole time. And Luther came in and he like made, you know, I had to motion him to go because the kid was asleep. And I finally was able to put him down. And he was like, what's up? I was like, well, he was asleep and my audiobook was going. So I just figured, eh. <laughs> Which does not help with sleep training. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> does not help with sleep training. Do not do that. Um, yeah, no, the... The guy's voices were great. And every time, so the character, the main character, it's not a spoiler to say the main character has ADHD. <laughs> yes. In a way that feels very familiar to me, not just from the person who does this podcast with me. Um, hmm? <laughs> where certain tangents would go off and all of a sudden we'd be, <laughs> you know, we, we'd start with an elephant and we'd end up in Antarctica. Uh, yes. And you were not the only person in my life who does that. I do that to myself sometimes. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but the the franticness of it reminded me of a few other people. <laughs> yes. And I've honestly, um, I've honestly only seen you that way a handful of times. You have a good handle on yourself. I, yeah, well, I've, I've, uh, I, I don't think my my ADHD is as severe as that main character's mm. or, um, or 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 yours. It's my anxiety <laughs> that is really bad. Yeah, it's mostly anxiety, but the anxiety is related to ADHD. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of comorbidity between uh, anxiety and ADHD yeah. and blah 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 blah. Mine is more anxiety, and you know. Yeah. But oh my god, there were so many moments in there where I was like, oh, it's this character. It's so relatable. I do, I do, I really enjoyed it. The main character is lovable and flawed in so many beautiful ways. Um, and all the side characters are really good. I enjoyed it. Thank you for the recommendation. Yes. I And I'm going to extend that recommendation to everyone. Pick up The Extraordinaries by T.J. Klune. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can get it, it's it's pretty cheap on uh, Audible. It's also available from your local library. Yes. Um, the Libby app is amazing. And if you don't have the Libby app, try Overdrive. Yes. And it's it's TJ Klune is an author who is having kind of a, a like a moment right now. One of his books came out uh, late last year, I want to say, and it, it got really big. And uh, he's getting a lot of press, which is great. I'm happy for mm -hmm. him. 
and happy to see what he is, does next. Is that the house of the Cerulean really... Sea? Because I'm listening to that right now. Yes, the house in the Cerulean Sea. Yes. Which is so good. Starting off great. I was very worried about the cat. <laughs> the cat is safe. The cat is safe. I will. There's no spoiler. The cat is safe. <laughs> Maybe a little spoiler. Uh, it's just, it's nice to see an, an author who can pull off that uh, um, level of humor and rambunctiousness, but still also manage to pull off the dry um, Douglas Adams style yes. comedy. Yes. Especially in, in the uh, House in the Cerulean Sea. So I'm I'm obsessed with this author right now. It's very good. He also wrote a YA series about uh, werewolves. So, you know, I'm going to be listening to that at some point. <laughs> Thank you, TJ Kloon. Okay, that's all I had that's to say. It. I wanted to share that. It's very good. And I, I second all these recommendations very much. Uh, do we have anything else that we would like? I think that's that. Thank you all so it, much. Thank you all so much for listening to us. We're happy to be back from our break. Um, and we'll see you again soon. This has been Storybroke. Miserably ever after. This has been Storybroke. Miserably Ever After, a Your Pretty Friend production. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us almost anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. You can also follow us on Twitter at StoryBrokePod. This episode has been made possible thanks to the love and support of our spouses and listeners like you. Thank you.